Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On August 21st, eight storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holy Hound Tap Room in downtown York. Our theme for the evening was Brush with Fame. We heard stories about trying to keep calm while meeting lifelong idols, family heroes, and getting recognized as a local celebrity. In the end, we had a tie. One of our winners was Eileen Joyce with her story about getting to know and love a new hometown. This will go good with the previous story, I think. The first time I came to York, Pennsylvania, it was less than two days before a giant snowstorm was going to dump two feet of snow on the ground, which means that I got to spend extra time in York, Pennsylvania because all my flights home were jacked up. But that's a different story. I remember looking around York and getting driven through town as like there was black clouds hanging over the air as the storm was approaching and thinking, this town looks a little hard scrabble. It's not, it's got some, it's got some growing to do. I mean, it was like February of 2010 and a lot of things, I mean, there was like the White Rose, but Holy Hound hadn't opened yet. There's Left Bank. Cobblestones was on its last legs. <laughs> it was just like, not a lot happening. But I needed a job, and I've learned from working in newsrooms and stuff that you can work anywhere if you're in a newsroom, because everybody that works there is funny and passionate and witty and interesting, so it doesn't really matter where you live. So that's how I found myself in February of 2010, moving to York County. Now, the other rule I have from growing up moving around a lot is that I never like make fun of or look down on where I live. Because it's like, what's the point? Like you can leave. If you don't like it, leave. Like unless you're like an angsty 17-year-old Ed Kowalczyk, like making fun of York doesn't get you anything, right? <laughs> it got him a lot though, so that was cool. <laughs> but when I moved to York, I learned pretty quickly that people liked shitting on York. Like the residents sort of professionally were really good at it. And, but I kept my mouth shut, because I've lived in Texarkana, Texas, and that's way shittier than New York. Um, but slowly I looked around, I was on Twitter, I was starting to look for things. I was like, what's going on in this town? And I saw people who were trying to do things, trying to make things happen, trying to have like storytelling nights and <laughs> musical events. And I, started, I tried to go to those, and if I didn't go, I'd try to volunteer, and you start volunteering, and I'd start seeing the same people, and suddenly you kind of make relationships and friendships, because at that point, there were only like 12 people volunteering for the everything. <laughs> so I saw the same people pretty quickly. <laughs> and uh, I never grew, like I grew up moving every three or four years, so I never had like a hometown. So it was weird suddenly when I would be walking around town and people were like, hey, Eileen, how's it going? And I was like, who are these people that know me? Like, this is crazy. Like, I didn't have that thing where you like, oh, I went to high school with them and they're my teacher's friend or something like that. And my parents came to visit and they were like, why is everybody saying hi to you? I was like, I've lived here for a long time, I guess. I don't know. So I did the math one day and it turns out I've lived in York longer than I've lived anywhere my entire life. So yeah, it's like a hometown all of a sudden. So I had a good cry on the couch yesterday, not yesterday, last week, when I bought a plane ticket for Seattle. 
because that's step one of a process that means I'm moving to Seattle at the end of September. And I'm looking forward to that, like, it's a big city, hopefully there'll be more than 12 volunteers at things, um, you know, music, all kinds of cool stuff, and my family's all out there, so I'm looking forward to being close to them. But what I'm gonna miss, I realized, isn't just the place, it isn't like, oh, the holy hound, it's the passionate people that I met that were doing all these things. Because hard scrabble doesn't just mean that things are dirty and sad, it also means to me it indicates like people who are working and doing and like rolling up their sleeves. And that's what I'll remember about York. So, I'm just here to say York, I'm your biggest fan. Are you crying, Kate? <laughs> You're gonna make me cry now. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan, York, and if you work really hard and try really hard and cross your fingers, maybe one day you can get a Wegmans. Eileen earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is our second winner, Melissa Snavely, who shared a story about auditioning for the lead in her high school musical. So it's my junior year in high school, and it's time for the spring musical auditions. And I always played in the pit band the years before. Um, I like to be down in that dark hole playing my French horn. There's no makeup, no costumes, no drama. But the summer right before my junior year, I had met this boy, and he brought me over to the dark side, and I had joined the chorus. And it turns out that I really enjoyed singing. I loved it, actually. And I thought, this year, I'm going to try out for a role in the musical. And the musical that particular year was Annie Get Your Gun. Now, my family loved musicals. We used to go see shows at St. Vincent's College out in La Trobe. Anybody from La Trobe here? Uh, we would listen to uh, cast albums every week, and you know, My Fair Lady, Oklahoma, Kismet, Oklahoma, you name it. And Annie Get Your Gun wasn't a show I knew very well, but I knew one song or a couple songs from that, one of them being Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. I don't know if anyone knows that song, but uh, it's, it, it, it was a fun show, but I didn't know much about it. So auditions start it was go over about three days, actually. And we all sing our solos. We do a little monologue. Then the director starts pairing us up in duets and doing little scenes together. And it's a lot of fun. I'm having a blast, actually. And as the days go on, you know, we start whittling down. You know, the, the cream kind of, kind, of, kind of rises to the top, and the director starts narrowing down who's, who's going to really try out for these spots. And it gets to be like the third day, and I'm the only one trying out for the lead role of Annie Oakley in, any, in, in, this, in the show, and I'm like pinching myself. I mean, I used to be in the pit, now I'm on the stage, and I'm, I'm, I might, I'm just looking, look, I've got, I've got this lead, I'm gonna have this lead in this show. And um, it, sure enough, we go to the auditorium that last day um, after all our, our auditions, and um, we're all sitting in the auditorium waiting for our director to name who got what parts. And I'm just like beside myself because I really was the only person auditioning in that last day. Nobody else, no other girls. And I'm trying to figure out why, right? Because, you know, I, I don't really know why because everyone wants to lead in the musical, right? And typical, I mean, it was not an ingenue soprano role at all. I mean, this role is kind of big and brassy and alto. I mean, Ethel Merman played this part on Broadway, right? So maybe that's why. I don't know and I don't care because I've got this thing down. It's mine. So the director starts listing off who's got what roles. And she starts at the bottom of the list. Not that they're small parts, right? Just small, you know. Uh, she mentions 
the, uh, you know, the, the bellhop in the hotel and the guy with the newspaper and, and the dance captain. She works her way up through all these roles. And it's pretty much coming down to what everyone expects it to be. It, it became apparent during the audition process. So she's down to the last two parts. The male lead, Frank, and then, of course, Annie Oakley, the part I'm going to get. And um, so she mentions, and the part of Frank is going to be played by Mark Brown. And everyone's like, yay, Mark! Even though we all knew Mark was going to get the part, it was very obvious. He was a good-looking blonde guy with a mustache. He was a senior. And he was a good friend of mine, actually. We had a ton of fun during rehearsals, not rehearsals, but auditions, you know, back and forth each other, kind of sarcastic and playful, just like you needed for this part. We were going to be great, and I couldn't wait to play opposite him in this show. So everyone's applauding, Mark, it's all great, and then, then it's supposed to be, and the person playing Annie Oakley is going to be General, but she doesn't say that. The director doesn't say that. She says, Melissa, see me after we're all done here. Uh, the rest of you can go now. Uh, rehearsal start tomorrow at 3 p.m. Be here. Don't be late. And see ya. Have a great day. Y you could have heard a pin drop in the auditorium. And that's kind of weird for musical theater people, right? That never happens. But you could have heard a pin drop. And everyone starts getting up slowly and walking out of the auditorium. And I'm picking my jaw up off the floor and getting my backpack and my coat. And I walk down to the front of the auditorium to the director, to Miss Hart. And she has a very serious look on her face right now. She always has a serious look on her face, but it's extra serious. And when I got to her, she looked me right in the eye, and she said, Melissa, I'm giving the role of Annie Oakley to Mary O'Brien. I'm like, Mary O'Brien? I'm like, inside, I'm like, Mary O'Brien? She wasn't even here for the auditions. I mean, she was, you know, completely absent. How could she get the lead role in a musical she didn't even audition for? And I'm thinking, well, I mean, don't get me wrong, I liked Mary, she was a good kid, she kind of hung out with the wrong crowd sometimes, but she wasn't even there. How could she get the part of Annie Oakley? I showed up, and, and Mary O'Brien's gonna get it. And then Miss Hart went on to say, Mary's had uh, kind of a tough time of it this year, and um, I think this role would be good for her. Actually, I, I think she needs it. And then it occurred to me that the rumors I'd been hearing around school that, that, that she had gotten pregnant, that Mary had not kept the baby, were probably not rumors. They were probably quite true. And I thought about the director, you know, all week long, watching me having the time of my life, working my butt off, singing my heart out, and she's thinking in her head, I'm gonna have to crush one girl, one high school girl, so that possibly another one can rise out. And I thought my director gave me a lot more credit than I probably ever would have given myself. But she was probably the only person in that school who believed in Mary at that time. So just to let you know, Mary went on. She was awesome. She did a great job. She was a bang-up Annie Oakley. I, I could never play the part as good as she did. She was amazing. But I just want to say, if you could all just indulge me for one minute and maybe help me out, too. Just 30 seconds. That's all I need. That's all I need. Okay. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Thank you. Melissa also earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Anthony Machinsky. Anthony shared his story about an unexpected way to impress a first date. 
All right, so I was told here before I even got here from Sarah Chain that I shouldn't have a story about my biggest fan, sorry, being about my fiance, and I didn't realize that Carter was going to do this or that Eileen was going to say it was about York or anything like that, so I'm sorry, Sarah, that this isn't about you or whatever. <laughs> so I've been a journalist for seven years, and in those seven years, one of the things that really... Uh, has me worried when I walk around town is, is being recognized. It's not so much being recognized by like a coworker or a friend or um, you know a, even a source that I've worked with. There's a couple of them in this room. Um, the one thing that really worries me is being recognized by people that I have no clue who they are. Um, a lot of those people generally come up to you and tell you how bad things are and how dare we, my paper ended up on the roof and how come you didn't go get it, that kind of stuff. So this is one of those times that actually turned out well for me. Um, go back two years ago, I just started being a food reporter at the YDR, and I went down, uh, did a story on Windridge Farm. Uh, just a quick, hey, this is what it's like. Tried to do like a diners, drive-ins, and dives style thing, except without the blonde hair. Um, when I went down there, and, and within the next couple weeks or so, I, I said to myself, I really want to go there. And in that time, I, I met Sarah, and, and the one thing I, as we were kind of progressing was uh, I needed to take her on a first date, and I've never been on a first, like, official first date. It was always a friend of a friend. So my first date with her was down to Windridge Farm. And the one thing I kept coming back to is, oh, my God, I hope I don't get recognized. Please just no one be there and recognize me. So I pick her up. We go down to Windridge Farm, and I drive up. Looking around as we walk in, the owner's not there, the executive chef's not there. Looking around the dining room, I don't recognize a soul. It's late, so no one else is really going to pop in. Awesome. It's just me and her. So we have this awesome date. Two hours, we're talking back and forth about, you know, just everything. She's the girl that I, I imagine everything, be, you know, wanting in my life. And after the two hours is over, we're getting ready to leave. I ask the waitress for a check. And... In that time, she goes, you know, gives the check, put my card in, and I give it back. She comes back a couple minutes later and, like, kind of slowly comes up and hands me the, um, the little card thing and goes, are you Anthony Machinsky? And my mind goes, oh, shit. I don't know who this girl is. I don't have any idea at all who she is. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, is it, like, a Tinder thing? Is it, like... I, <laughs> Is it, is it like, like, where could she have met me from? And across the table, Sarah, in her mind, is, is all calm. But I know her now, and she's going, oh, he's about to get caught. <laughs> so I kind of sheepishly go back to the girl, and I was like, yeah. And then she immediately comes back, oh, my God, Anthony Machinsky from the YDR, right? And I'm like, oh, no. Like, now it's the, the fear of, Okay, now she hates my stuff. Did I write some story about her boyfriend that got pulled over for a DUI or something like that? All the worst possible thoughts are going through my head. And guarded, I go, yeah. And she explodes. Oh, my God, you're Anthony Machinsky from the YDR. I love your stuff. It's fantastic. I see you, you did the video down here a couple weeks ago, and I read your stuff all the time. And you post in this Facebook group that I'm a part of. And oh, my God. Like, and then the whole time I'm going, oh, my God, what a relief. And as I kind of come back, I'm starting to realize I'm on a first date with a girl who now realizes that she's on a first date with a celebrity, you know? <laughs> Knowing her now, she would say, 
uh, no, you're not a celebrity. Let's just get the hell out of here. And when I look back on that time, she might not agree, but I look at, back at it as that person being my biggest fan actually did something positive for me. We are getting married in March. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at YorkStorySlam. Please also follow us on Facebook and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.